good night. Hello, cocktail lovers. Welcome to Paris Cocktail Talk. The show brought to you by the 52 Martinis Guide to Paris Cocktail Bars. I'm Forrest Collins, and I'm here to talk to you about the trends and traditions of drinking in France. Now, today is a fun day because I've got Kevin Rigaud in the studio, and he work, He is at the Crillon, at the Les Ambassadeurs, their absolutely drop-dead gorgeous bar. So I thought it would be really fun to get him in the studio and talk a little bit about what it's like to, to run a bar in, in a location of this magnitude in one of these palace, not just luxury hotels, but the, these Paris Palace hotels. And uh, so we're going to talk to him a little bit about that, find out about they, they've just dropped a new menu, which is a very good menu. I've seen it and just kind of get the lowdown on, on what it's like to work in the amazing Creon. So welcome, Kevin. Thanks for joining me. Hello, first, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. And you? Yeah, very good, thank you. Pleasure good. to be here. Good, good. So why don't you just tell the listeners a little bit first about, about your role at Les Ambassadeurs and, and, and the bar there. What exactly do you do? So I arrived uh, last year in uh, September and I'm uh, actually the bar director. So I'm uh, looking after the whole bar. We obviously uh, have a smaller one than I'm just uh, looking for in terms of uh, beverage program. Uh, but I'm the actual manager at Bar Les Ambassadeurs. So I'm uh, running all the operation uh, on a daily basis. So... That leads me to my really very first question, which is, I always think that running a hotel bar, especially a hotel of this level, has got to be different. And there's got to be special challenges as opposed to just, you know, operating a regular cocktail bar, uh, just kind of any standard bar on the street. So have you noticed in your experience different challenges and different things that you have to address when you're working in a place like this? Yeah, obviously, I have uh, the chance to to work on a different uh, kind of bar, so independent and hotel. So obviously, uh, I see many difference. Um, yeah, hotel bars, uh, especially on the luxury side, are uh, more demanding, especially on the communication side. Uh, we have to report and uh, communicate with so many departments. Uh, communication. Um, yeah, we need to communicate with a lot of people. So. Obviously, they add uh, quite a lot of admin as well uh, compared to more independent uh, bar when you just have a bar and uh, have to run it. Uh, but yeah, that's the major difference uh, for me on uh, on a daily basis. Yeah, I imagine nobody likes to have a lot of admin. So I imagine <laughs> that doesn't really doesn't add to the experience um, uh, of the overall experience. So well, can you describe your bar a little bit for the listeners if if they haven't been there, which, you know, I suggest anybody who hasn't should go in there because it's a real special peek into a particular type of place in Paris. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about it? Yeah, we'll see. So it's uh, situated in a uh, hotel de, de Crillon in the Place de la Concorde, so famous uh, for many, many things in uh, French uh, history. The hotel have been there for, for, for centuries and uh, the the bar was a restaurant uh, on before on the Hotel de Crillon before uh, Russell takes uh, the ownership a couple of years ago. So close in 2013 and reopened in 2015 to to reopen it uh, under the Russell company. 
And uh, before was a three-star restaurant, but nowadays uh, he has been replaced with the bar. So the the room is uh, very gorgeous, and uh, all everything is protected so by French uh, law. So you can't do whatever you want on this room for for sure. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's a magnificent uh, room. A lot of uh, history. There is like um, drawing on the wall that represents. All the the craft uh, industry that have been uh, working on the on the on the hotel. Um, there is a small uh, map of uh, Paris as well. So yeah, is a lot in terms of uh, of design and a lot of history as well. Yeah, absolutely, it's a lot to take in visually. Uh, I remember the bar before the the hotel closed for the remodel. And this is just, it's its such a huge difference. It was a small bar that was a small room kind of in, in the back down the hall, I think, if I recall the location correctly. And now uh, you just walk in and it's just, it's all this grandeur and, and gilded walls. And like you said, paintings on the walls and the ceilings. And yes, it's just, it feels like you're walking into a very special place. So um, yeah. Do you have, when you're working in this kind of bar as well, do you have any particular challenges in terms of service, I would expect that with the kind of clientele that you might get here, um, do you have any, is there anything that you feel like is unique to a place like this in terms of, of training in your staff or, or serving clients to, to their expectations? Uh, working in a luxury uh, hotel, we obviously have a lot of standard, uh, both from uh, the LQA, Forbes, and as well uh, internally from uh, from Rusut. So I think that's uh, one of the most uh, challenging uh, things to to train people uh, at, to make sure all the standards are tick, but also to make sure this standard doesn't remove from guest experiences. So you need to obviously have your standard, know them by earth, and apply uh, them on a daily basis, but you need also to be able to be a bit flexible with that and uh, match uh, people's expectation. Yeah, I, I would I would guess, I mean, obviously I do not work in a hotel bar, but I would guess it takes a lot of sort of this sensitivity to reading the customer as well and kind of trying to gauge how your your, your level of services and, and what they might require. Um, yeah. Now, something that I think that's interesting about Les Ambassadeurs that I don't see in a lot of the other luxury hotels in Paris or don't see much, if at all, is you've started some really interesting programs with with guest shifts coming in. So you're bringing in bartenders from other, other locations. Um, this will have been finished by the time this recording is released, but I know you've got um, the team from the Arts Bar at the St. Regis coming up and you've had Paradiso yeah. in the past and... Uh, I know you've had a few more whose names are escaping me, but is this something new that you decided to to start doing at the bar? And what's your thinking behind it? So yeah, that's something I uh, took me a couple of months to obviously uh, get to used to the hotel and uh, learn everything. But that, yeah, that was uh, a plan that I put uh, to have exchange because. Most of the team, they haven't worked uh, somewhere else. Uh, they don't have the chance to always travel and see the world. 
So by bringing uh, Osbor uh, to us, that's first of all a good way to learn and to exchange with other people uh, around the world. For me, hospitality is always about um, sharing, and uh, yeah, this is all about sharing. So by bringing uh, Osbor to our bar for a pop up for a couple hours, it's always a chance to our team and as well, I think, to the other team to discover a new way of thinking and uh, doing as well, because most of them, they are not uh, working or even live in Paris. So it's different as well to way of thinking the world. So for me, that's the, the first most important uh, point. <clears throat> He also uh, give uh, more uh, entertainment to to the bar to bring a different uh, bar to for the whole bar industry in uh, in Paris as a general, and uh, also to our guests to to come and discover new bar uh, around the world. Maybe next time they're gonna let's take Paris as an example when we had the pop up for two days. Uh, they might discover uh, the bar Paradiso, and as soon as they will travel to Barcelona, they will they will decide to to go back to Paradiso to to see the the actual bar. So yeah, that's pretty much my uh, three points of uh, launching it. Well, I think it's from what I've seen, it's been a successful launch, and I also support the idea of these guest shifts between bars because I think it provides this really interesting cross pollination, and like you said, it exposes the team to different techniques and uh which only can you know can only trickle down to make an, a more interesting guest experience so so it's it's great i think it's i commend you for getting that started Thanks. in a type of bar where you just don't see it happening very often i mean i might be missing something but yeah i think that at that level it's um it's less usual so it's very cool um let's talk a little bit about your menu there was a menu that was I think created the the previous one was created before COVID and then launched. And so it's been around for a while, the one that looks like a, 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 a game, kind of a game board, but you have come in with something completely different now. And um, why don't you explain that a little bit, just uh, the concept of your new menu to the listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, when I arrived on uh, last September uh, last year, the menu was almost uh, almost uh, done, so I had to just done the lodging basically. Uh, but we work um, my first year uh, at the bar. We work on a on a new menu. We wanted to have something more uh, close to seasonality. Um, just for the for the for the story. Uh, before I start with the hotel de de Crillon, I was with uh, I was I took. Two weeks uh, holiday uh, be, be, um, before to change my uh, my job and starting at Bali's Amsterdam. And I was in uh, my father's uh, house in the uh, west coast uh, of France. And I just, I was, that was beginning of September. So that was where the, the fig were blooming everywhere. And I just uh, grabbed one on the street. And uh, I mean, I grabbed three on the street and I uh, eat uh, them. And I was like, oh, they, they're absolutely delicious. And I, I, Somehow, somehow uh, forget how a fig could taste uh, so good, and they were. They, in, I'm not sure they, they were even uh, fully right. And uh, when I uh, came back in Paris the day after, I was trying to to get more. So I went on a small market uh, down the street. I grabbed a small one, very pretty one, and they were tasting like very watery. And I was. Uh, I remember that's really frustrating. Me and I that was a bit 
like uh, haha moments when I uh, started this ambassador. I was like, okay, next menu, uh, the first one I'm gonna launch gonna be about seasonality because I want to work with the the best ingredients when they are at the peak. Uh, obviously, the working in a hotel bar uh, that gives us uh, many challenges. Uh, hopefully, we will be able to push even more um, along the way. But for the moment, we just focusing on uh, seasonality. So we decide to choose uh, to do to release a menu four times in a year along the season, and uh, we wanted to choose ingredients that reflect the seasonality. So we just launched last week the winter, so the first version. I'm gonna change uh, in March for the spring. Uh, regarding the winter, we choose 15 different ingredients. Uh, the challenges were that we need to find uh, ingredients that, that are uh, good and available throughout uh, November till March. So that, that was one of the, the challenges as well. Uh, but we came up with uh, 15 uh, different uh, ingredients and we work uh, around this uh, flavor to create drink. That was uh, as well a new way to thinking and create for our team because they always uh, create drink uh, by choosing a brand and trying to make a cocktail out of it. We just push them to change a bit the way of thinking and try to choose an ingredient and work uh, around the ingredients and, and don't choose the brand uh, straight away. So that was more about uh, aromatic profile than the than the spirits. Um, and yeah, we came up with uh, fifteen uh, drinks. Uh, some of them are available on uh, non-alcoholic uh, version, and uh, we decide to create uh, something uh, a bit unique. In terms of design, we work with uh, EI to generate abstract art that represent the flavor of the drinks. So every cocktail has been uh, decorated with uh, with this image. Yeah, and that's that makes for a very nice menu. I, physically, having seen the menu, I can attest to this is it's it's simple and it's elegant. But this story about the AI generated uh artwork that goes along with each cocktail based on the ingredients is is really lovely as are the names that you know it's very straightforward right the names are apple or yeah, walnuts exactly. and so i feel like that also really highlights this idea of seasonality now um what i always think is challenging about working with seasonal menus like this is i'm guessing you're going to want to start working ahead of time you're not just going to suddenly start making a new menu in the springtime when, you know, when it's time to change, like you need time to work up the cocktails. So how do you work on seasonal cocktails ahead of time when the fruit is not yet, or the, the, the ingredients are not yet in season? Is that, is that something that poses a particular challenge or have you guys just got it all kind of ready worked out? Yeah, yeah, obviously it's a, it's a big challenge. Uh, but we start uh, at, uh, this year when we basically, in the meantime of the old menu, we launch a small menu on the side. Uh, on We have a small side menu where we find a wine by glass, spirit food menu. And we just made a small page with like five uh, seasonal cocktails that we change along the, the season. So that helps us. And uh, that was kind of our first draft of uh, making our mind around it, trying to create few drinks 
and uh, something uh, very priceless was we want, we were ready to give give feedback from guests. We launched, uh, for example, one of the the, the best one we launched was a cucumber uh, long tall sparkling drink, and we we were able to to see that like people really love it. And uh, we had also some fail, and we know we're not gonna use it in a in a future. That's something we need to work around. So yeah, we have uh, we were able to work uh, all year long, and we discover a couple of drinks that we kept. Some uh, were not very good, and people didn't like it. So we we will work on something else. But yeah, we need to work uh, ahead of time, and that's the most challenges because you need to try to make drinks out the with the ingredients. Sometimes it's easy because uh, if you want to work with apple and pear, they always available. Even if it's not uh, the right variety that you want to use, um, you always kind of kind of guess if it's gonna work or not. Uh, but working with some different flavor that are not available during uh, all year long, yeah, the this is very challenging. Yeah, I would guess so. But it's nice that you've had that opportunity to also kind of run these test little wow. test menus because. I feel like, well, I don't feel like it is, I mean, cocktails, taste is subjective. So it's nice to be able to get and react Absolutely. to that feedback. Yeah. So um, have you had any now? I have the ones I've tried. I do have a favorite, but do you have any that are sort of rising to the top as like very get commonly ordered guest favorites on the current menu? I mean, we've been uh, closed for, for the whole week for private party. So we have been only uh, like three or four days uh, of running uh, the bar with this menu. So very low feedback yet. Uh, but we, I mean, there is definitely one that uh, people uh, were amazed about uh, is the, 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 the walnuts. So it's a riff on a Hardvard cocktail. So Manhattan made out of cognac, uh, Manchino Vermouth. And uh, we infused the, the cognac with the walnut sauce. And uh, this is uh, this is our this is the the banker as everyone calling it uh, of the menu. Yeah, definitely. That was actually my favorite. I didn't want to I didn't want to say it ahead of time because I didn't want to steer the conversation. But the walnut's great. It's really really lovely. So very good. Um, do you have are there any future plans for the bar that you can share with the listeners? Things you know, events coming up, uh, things happening for the new year future directions that you think might be interesting for people to know about? Uh, yeah, absolutely. We, we will keep uh, working hard on uh, seasonality and try to break the challenges that we have working in a five-star hotel and a luxury uh, brand uh, to try to make it more flexible to work uh, more around seasonality. Sometimes with all of the processes, not that easy to have this kind of uh, flexibility, but we we will still uh, try to push to make it work. And uh, we will uh, have one uh, last gear shift for the year, uh, as you mentioned, on the uh, next uh, Monday, 27th of uh, November, we, we will have the San Regis from uh, Venice and uh, we will do a break for December and we will uh, launch a new series of uh, bar uh, guest shift uh, last year. I'm uh, still working on it, so can't uh, give you any name because I have uh, no confirmation yet. 
uh, but we will have uh, more and more gear shift uh, throughout the year uh, in 2024. Excellent. We plan to do a, a nice activation as well for, for our launching new menu uh, around spring with a, with a guest shift uh, maybe in London. Uh, once again, haven't been confirmed, so can't uh, tell you more about it. But yeah, many, many events that we plan to, to do for the for the next year. Well, I look forward to these events and the guest shifts. So, uh, and I'll be putting information for the listeners. I will be putting links to the Instagram for Kevin and for the bar. So, you know, you can follow along so you can find out when these things are, are getting scheduled in. Thank you. <laughs> I have also some somewhat of a more vague question about these bars and these five-star hotels. Have you noticed yourself over the, the past few years, any kind of an evolution of the role of the bar and the hotel? I feel like I've seen in, in Paris, at least, sometimes they were sort of relegated to an afterthought or, or smaller areas, and they seem to be being pushed more to the forefront. And I don't know if that's because we have more lists coming up. You know, there's, it's important to have a good restaurant. It's important to have a good bar. And now, you know, the hotels are figuring on the world's 50 best, just put out the 50 best hotel list, which I believe that Creon is on. on. Um, so do you feel like the role of the hotel, the luxury hotel bar has been evolving? And if so, how? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been working a couple of years in uh, in London, and I work in hotel bar in London. So different, way different uh, industry than uh, than Paris one. London, uh, I think uh, now you can say that the F and B part, uh, the if and the B are um, both uh, very strong. Uh, I remember when I was working in edition, the the bar was like the bar program was really massive. Like we we were like. 30 people to run a three bar. So yeah, the the beverage program were very strong. Uh, I think we still uh, struggle a bit in Paris. Uh, maybe it's a culture thing because food is obviously uh, such a big thing in, uh, in French culture. Then uh, cocktail uh, isn't. Uh, wine is obviously a big part as well. So people obviously are more culture, uh, culture-wise attracted by wine than uh, than cocktail. But it's been uh, getting better for, for for decades now. People are drinking more and more cocktail. But I think um, FNB managers and uh, um, Hotel GM need to look what's happening uh, elsewhere and try to build uh, a beverage program as strong as the food one in, in Paris, definitely. Yeah, and I think that's happening. You know, I've I've seen this. Uh, I've seen it in your in the Creon with the changes that are being made at Les Ambassadeurs over the over the many years that I've been familiar with the bar. And uh, I agree the addition in London, just to shout out for them, their bar program's excellent, but also another shout out, you know, I'm all, I mean, you know, I'm also a big fan of the Rosewood London and their bar. So just nice words for the guys at Scarf's Bar. Uh, if anybody listening is there, you should go check them out as well. Um, so I think that's all my little shout outs. And I think we're getting towards the end of our half hour. So uh, I believe that you brought a, uh, that you're going to share a cocktail of the month with the listeners. What would you like to tell the listeners how to make? 
Uh, yeah, um, two cocktails that's uh, come in my mind. Uh, one uh, that I've been uh, working uh, on uh, on the new menu uh, called Apple. So it's made with a uh, whistle pig, 10 years old, um, a caramel syrup and uh, clarified apple juice. Then we infuse with the uh, Ojisha tea. So it's a uh, roasted uh, tea from Japan. So give a very A uh, flavor, but a bit more complex. And we gasify everything. Uh, but if I can uh, give uh, something uh, more easy to do at home, uh, I will uh, call for a drink that I've made uh, for Whistle Pig uh, Flying uh, Pig League. Uh, so it's a group of uh, bartenders uh, around the Whistle Pig brand. Uh, that's uh, rye whiskey with uh, a bar spoon of Fenebranca uh, Menta. Uh, maple syrup and just sparkling water. So it's a really fun oh. Toronto cocktail, but made it uh, more like a, an eyeball with sparkling water. So nice. refreshing, but still very aromatic and uh, tasty with uh, like maple, uh, maple, uh, maple flavor and a bit of uh, bitterness and uh, minty coming from uh, the Fenebranca Menta. That sounds like a nice one for this season. How much rye and how much uh, maple syrup do you put in? Because I might make myself one of those tonight. Uh, perfect. Uh, so the recipe calls for 50 milliliters of uh, rye whiskey, uh, seven, uh, 10 sorry, milliliters of uh, branca menta, uh, 10 of maple syrup, and just top up with sparkling water. Okay, so I mean that's a small amount of rye, so it's probably also pretty low ABV. It sounds like. Uh, Depends on which kind of rye do you use. Uh, <laughs> yeah, most of the time, uh, rye whiskey, good rye whiskey, I'm, I'm not very forty-ish uh, mm-hmm. ABV. They're more like forty, forty-five uh, ABV. So, not sure about how low ABV it is, but. Oh. Uh, easy, oh. <laughs> light and easy to drink so definitely is not very spirit forward uh easy, easy to to start uh, uh, an evening lovely um well with that uh why don't you just tell listeners uh where they might find you online on instagram share your instagram handle and that of the bar i will also write it down but just for anybody who's listening and doesn't feel like reading the show notes where can they find you uh kevin rigo so yeah on instagram uh linkedin as well same uh, same profile and you can uh, follow the bar on uh, les, uh bar les ambassadeurs excellent well like i said i'll put those links in the show and uh with that i will say thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today i think it's probably been a real pleasure for my listeners to get to know a little bit more what life is like in a in a five-star luxury hotel bar thank you for having me Um, And with that, I will say thank you, Kevin. Thank you to World Radio Paris for editing and production. Thank you to you listeners for tuning in, downloading, however you listen to the radio show or get your podcasts. And uh, if you like what we're doing, I encourage you to go and leave a review because apparently that's how people get to know about us. And then it just makes me know that people are actually listening and I'm not shouting into a void. So with that, we'll call it a wrap for this month. I remind you all to please drink responsibly. And until next time, cheers.